0: Give me a mystery, and you got me. I was putting this podcast together, and my wife, who I will refer to as N, placed a newspaper clipping on my desk. It said, Bad decisions make great stories. I would like to share a bad decision with you. The mystery began when I was on the internet, and just for fun, I typed into the eBay search engine the following words, Roman antiquities. You'd be surprised what came up, it was like entering a Roman shopping mall. I was conducting armchair archaeology, I didn't have to lay on the ground bake in a hundred degree heat nor even get my hands dirty. There were a lot of fibulas. I don't know if you know what a fibula is, but a fibula is a clip that attaches a cloak around the shoulders or around the neck. I love these particular items because it turns out that they come in all makes and sizes. Everything from ships to sea serpents. Anything in the shape of a ship or sea serpent is for me. In addition, there was a statue of Mercury for a mere $5,000. This online auction house is truly the People's Museum. I posted that on my blog. Where else can such a collection be brought together at a touch of a key? Roman marble head of a bearded man. Starting bid $700. Roman iron knife with bronze handle. Starting bid $24. And where else can you find a third century phallic symbol for a starting bid of $1.50? In the eBay Museum are rings of all makes and sizes, bronze and gold, amethysts and stones of various hues. There are rings that are keys, Rings for archers that protect the finger that grips the string of the bow. There's even a soldier's ring made of gold with a setting of a Cornelian intaglio of a Roman Eagle design. This is all yours for a mere starting bid of $740. Do you have a desire for an official Roman nail? It's the type that might have sealed Christ's hands to the cross. This is certainly affordable and doable for most. A starting bid of $30. Looking for coins? This is the place. For a reasonable price, pick up a cache of coins that look like they may have sat in a hole for the last thousand years. Starting bid, $30. Did you find something with the name of Brutus on it, the noblest Roman of them all? On the other side, two daggers and a freedman's hat. If you did, you're looking at serious money. If the coin is silver, it could be worth five or six hundred dollars. But if it's gold, if it's gold, It could be priced into the thousands. Looking for a Roman sewing bin? Got it. Spearheads and arrowheads and even Byzantine crosses can be had. You can even get an oil lamp that sat on a poet's table. It depends how good your imagination is. You may even find a brooch in the shape of a fish that may have been an adornment for an early Christian. This is like sorting through an ancient trash pile or opening up a kitchen drawer in a house that has been closed for a very long time. There's always a drawer filled with all the odd things that people tend to collect but never throw out. A drawer filled with nibs, knobs, and thingamabobs. It's your own personal museum. No entrance fee is required. But you might be tempted to make a bid. End of blog post. I got an email from Robert W. M. Greaves, who operates a blog called Matters Arising. He's originally from England and now lives in Jakarta, Indonesia. He describes himself as a should-have-been classicist, an avid reader of ancient and medieval history. He reads detective stories and science fiction, in other words, my kind of person. Now, there's something I have to admit to Mr. Greaves. At the time I put my blog post up, about all the neat stuff you can purchase on eBay. I thought I was being clever. And clever can get you into trouble. But, you know, bad decisions make great stories. Robert Greaves writes the following in his email. Do you think eBay encourages the trade in illicit antiquities, he asked. Not so much stolen wool but ones that have not been properly declared in the country they come from, which means people are not giving new sites a chance to be properly excavated by archaeologists. Mr. Greaves was right. When you think about it, he brings up a very important point. There was something more here than the nature of museums and junk drawers and my ability to buy a piece of antiquity without having to dig for it. There is a clue here of something afoot. As I said before, I'm no detective, but sometimes even an amateur can smell a scent of something going on. So let's take this step by step. Is eBay encouraging the trade in illicit antiquities? Let's wrap our heads around that. I went to the eBay website and I found the following paragraph. The sale of stolen property is not allowed on eBay. The sale of stolen property violates state, federal, and international law, and we will notify law enforcement of any attempts to sell stolen property on eBay. Let's be clear, there is no way you could consider eBay to be a fence. But it is a tool, and as a tool, it could be used by someone who wanted to sell illegal goods. There's an old proverb that most people know of. It goes like this, Let the buyer beware. But if we go back even further to ancient times... It's said like this, The buyer has a need of a hundred eyes, the seller but one. Now, if you're not familiar with the term fence, a fence is the middleman between thieves and the eventual buyers of stolen goods who may not be aware that the goods are stolen. According to Virginia law, and it may vary in your state, acting as offense's larceny, especially with intent to sell or distribute stolen property. Look, I'm not saying that eBay committed a crime, but according to a press release from the Illinois Department of Justice, social media sites can be used to commit such a crime. You can imagine the press conference. 11 individuals were indicted in an interstate theft and fencing ring that sold $2 million in stolen merchandise via eBay internet auction sites. A mother and son who own three shuttered pawn shops in the Chicago area are among 11 defendants who were indicted today on federal charges for allegedly participating in an internet theft and fencing operation that sold more than $2 million in stolen merchandise through thousands of internet auctions. They were selling the stolen goods at a discount to successful bidders through the eBay internet auction site. It should be pointed out that the press release praises eBay and other internet sites for their cooperation in catching the criminals. So let's get something straight here eBay is not the fence. The mother and son who owned the pawn shops were using eBay to commit a crime. I did a little more research, and it's interesting how it just gets better and better. I found an article in Science Daily published on May 9, 2009. This article focuses in on what the real issue is. So you may want to stick around for this. This is very, very good. The article interviewed UCLA archaeologist Charles Chip Stanish, who held his breath when the online auction house eBay launched more than a decade ago. He is quoted in the article. My greatest fear was that the Internet would democratize antiquities, trafficking, which previously had been a wealthy person's vice and lead to widespread looting, said the UCLA professor of anthropology who directs the UCLA Kotsen Institute of Archaeology. Indeed, eBay has drastically altered the transporting and selling of illegal artifacts, Stanish writes in an article in the May-June issue of Archaeology but not in the way he and other archaeologists had feared. By improving access to a worldwide market, eBay has inadvertently created a vast market of copies of antiquities, diverting whole villages from looting to producing fake artifacts, Stanish writes. The proliferation of these copies also has added new risks to buying objects billed as artifacts, which in turn has worked to depress the market for these items, further reducing incentives to loot. For most of us, the web has forever distorted the antiquities-trafficking market in a positive way, Stanish said. Looting, which is illegal... Is widely recognized as destructive to cultural heritage because it can remove from public ownership tangible links to a people's past. In addition, looting is perceived as an enemy of scholarship because it typically is done without regard to any appropriate methods that allow scientists to date objects and to place them in a larger, more meaningful context. End quote. Context. Why is that word familiar? I checked my notes. William Glover. I interviewed Mr. Glover in a previous podcast. He was kind enough to send me one of his books that sat on a shelf. I've kept it. In fact, I prize it. The title is A Guide to Archaeological Field Methods. When I first took it out of the box, it smelled of cigarettes. That's okay. It smelled of his office. It smelled of him. I could imagine that it sat on a shelf somewhere. A reminder of his academic days. William was an archaeologist specializing in the American Midwest and Western states. He'd worked for the Santa Barbara Trust for Historic Preservation. He talked about... Being called in when finding Indian remains under the foundation of new banks and working on sites exposed by the Highway Commission, pig teeth, strata, and skulls must have been discovered by his trowel and shovel. William Glover passed away. I knew he was ill, but he didn't share anything about his ailments. I had to find it out on his Facebook page and was able to put the facts together however it is curious that for him it's a form of immortality which is available for all of us William did not need a pyramid or a statue his Facebook page is still online there's a photo of him the only photo that you can see of him. He is lying on the ground, his hat over his face, and he is blue-jeaned, work-shirted and booted, and surrounded by tools of his trade, a truck and tripod with a surveyor's theodolite ready to use. The weather looks warm and the day lazy, and might have been the happiest day of his life. So when the dead speak of context,
1: it's best to listen. It's about um, context, really. You, there's no way to, you can illustrate an object by making it a piece of art, but without uh, its context, it loses a lot of its value. That's why you record as much as possible. Um, It's, For the people that will come after you um, that may either work in the same area or um, have an interest in a particular uh, time, and you won't be aware of it um, because archaeology is always an evolving subject. Often there are subtle clues that um, someone that's, well, even someone that's tra- tra- trained might not catch at first glance. You can, put, say, pick up a projectile point, or um, if you're in, on the continent, you might find um, what might be the remains of um, of an old Roman sword, or um, it is the uh, area around Utzi, the Iceman, there was an awful lot of information that was lost that would tell us a larger story and put um, an object, a person, into a, a larger context. And it's once again, you're trying to find the right number of words in order to fill out a picture or a narrative. And that's Part of what archaeology is, is it's building the narrative of an individual, a group, um, or a state, in the same way that you might look at a building. There are various elements within it you can't get if you detach it from its original setting. So you want to build the setting, you say... 40 years ago, we didn't have the same kind of technology to allow us to look at pollen. Pollen tells you an awful lot about seasons, the environment, and potentially where a particular crop might have come from, or how it was developed and modified by man. So those are things that show up that we, we don't get if you just pluck an artifact out of the ground and um, it finds its way onto the antiquities market. It may be beautiful, but there was more information that was overlooked or never looked at by the original excavators, um, even if they're trained.
0: There is a quote by Marilyn Johnson, author of the book Lives in Ruins, Looted Objects Lose the power to speak. That is why context is important. The world is different. Just a few years ago, find something in the ground and you could sell it. Because probably not many people knew you were selling it. The market was small. The internet has widened the market. Now you can peddle your find across The world, the customer base is large. For some reason, for me, it brings to mind a quote from the movie Indiana Jones. What did Dr. Jones say? It belongs in a museum. And the guy in the Panama hat says, so do you. Coins can be faked. Fibulas recreated. If you have time to carbon date, maybe you can believe what you're buying is real. Maybe true confidence in what you buy and what you view in your local museum has to be chained to the hand of the archaeologist. If we're going to think like a sleuth, if chain of evidence is broken, how do you know it's real? I am going to make a prediction. Context will become even more important. We live in a world where a 3D printer can make an almost unimaginable, accurate copy of a statue of Mercury. There are fakes on the internet, and like a chain of evidence, the archaeologist's hand will be the only thing to tether us to the past. Context is everything. This was the case of the eBay Conundrum, brought to you by Rob Kane's Historical Detective Agency, sponsored by Ancient Rome Refocused.